Brought to you by the Positive Aging Community, the leading resource for senior housing, aging in place, and professional resources. For more than 33 years, the Positive Aging Community has fostered a community that helps make choices easier and more accessible. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Paula Hertel and Nancy Shire Anselmo, co-founders of The Connected Horse. Welcome to the program, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Well, as you know, this one is close to my heart. I'm a horse lover and owner, um, and of course, I love all things to do with aging well. So before we dig into what you're doing with The Connected Horse, please tell us about your background. Sure, I'm gonna start. Um, you know, the, there's parallels in, in my life with horses and working with older adults and working with families. And so for me, the connected horse just brings, you know, who I am as a human being, both my personal life and my professional life together. So I grew up in Southern California with more horses than people in my life. And, um, that brought me a lot of joy. And as I got older, I realized the support and the um, power and sort of healing aspects of horses in my life. And in my professional career, I've worked over 30 years on behalf of older adults and families, primarily in senior living. And Nancy and I, who you're going to meet in just a moment, are on the California Assisted Living Association Board of Directors, and we co-chair the Education Committee. So our passion really is around how do we help elevate and bring the message of positive aging and hope and activation into the world. And so um, you'll hear later when we talk specifically about Connected Horse, about how we've taken these passions uh, in into this program. Awesome. Nancy? Hello. Um, I have also a um, lifetime horse person. They've been part of my life. I've been very blessed with that. And um, Paula and I share that same passion as well as I'm a professional gerontologist and specialize in uh, people living with dementia and their family members. And so in senior living spaces, uh, develop and create um, innovative programs for people living with dementia in our senior living homes. And it's been really a pleasure to do that for the last 30 years. But Paul and I've worked together for numerous years on different projects as consultants. And we both said, you know, we're just not doing a lot for people who are early diagnosed. We're diagnosing earlier and earlier of individuals and there's no no help really um, for the journey ahead. And so it really was bothering us. And we thought, why not take the magic that we know of being with a horse that's helped many other populations from children to veterans, to incarcerated individuals, to people with tra trauma, why not help older adults that we serve every day and that we love? And so we decided that this would be a fun project to get us started and uh, bring people to the magic of horses, which also helps them on this journey ahead of them with a diagnosis of any type of dementia. 
So ladies, um, tell me about the progression. We're going to dig into actually what happens in these workshops and and why horses um, in a moment. But just tell me some of the metrics about the Connected Horse. I know you launched in 2015. Um, and um, where did you start? Where are you today? So we did. Uh, we can't believe it when you say 2015, because it seems like just our idea was just yesterday. So time time warps in, in mysterious ways. But when Nancy and I got together, it was and founded Connected Horse, it was really out of our own personal frustration of wanting to be more innovative, wanting to be a little bit of disruptors around the status quo and the um, societal view that, oh, you get this diagnosis of dementia. And when we started this, there was a big push to get an early diagnosis. And then it was, but now what? And so you have this big diagnosis for not only the individual who received the diagnosis, but the whole family system, the community. It's like, now what? And Nancy and I are, are practitioners and advocates. And we said, okay, there. this is an opportunity where people can make a decision of, sort of despair and isolation or, or hope and activation. And that really was the impetus for us to say, okay, how can we help people move down that road of hope and activation? And as you heard earlier, our passion around horses sort of collided with this. And we said, there's something here. But we really wanted to do it probably a little bit backwards. We wanted to go into research first to make sure that the program that we put together had validity. So uh, Nancy and I, just with hope and a little bit of just sort of blind faith, went to our colleagues in uh, this space at uh, Stanford University and um, through the Alzheimer's Disease Center at Stanford in the Red Barn Leadership Program, who had this big thriving program for business executives in their equine program. And we said, we really want to do this. And... Um, they called it our crazy horse project, which <laughs> yeah. was probably probably still is true. But we went into research for three years, both at, at Stanford University and then wanted to replicate the program at UC Davis through the Center of Equine Health and their um, Alzheimer's Disease Center with just uh, we met incredible people that had um hope and fear and desire to do something different and wanted to be pioneers to change the stigma that when you had a diagnosis of dementia, that your life was over. And so it really motivated us. And then you take on, we're not researchers by by profession, but the, the uh, results of our research really showed that people had reduced feelings of depression, they had improved sleep, they felt um, hopeful and connected to others in the research project as well as in their community. We were then just really motivated to take this out into community settings. And now we're in six barns. We're really a, a training community. We're a training organization that helps barns set up this program so that we can help as many people throughout the country. And then in COVID, we were just like, we cannot um, allow the participants that we've worked with and the people that we love in the community and all the work we've done to get rid of this stigma, to get people out of this feeling of isolation. We can't just let it go because of COVID. 
So we took our program that we've done on-site at Barnes and we created a at-home engagement kit. And we worked with a colleague of ours out of Australia to build the connected horse in a virtual setting. And we took those into people's homes so that they can continue to feel connected to us. And as we come out of the, the pandemic and we are back in full swing at all of our barns, what we found is that these um, sensory engagement kits in the virtual barn are a continuum for us. So it's another way for us to stay connected and engaged with our participants for a long, long time. So that's in in a nutshell, that's our progression from 2015 to like, current. Like seven and a half years later, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So Paula, I'll throw this one at you. Why why horses? And and you know, I know obviously some of those, some of the reasons why, but why horses? I'm gonna let Nancy take oh. that one. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. That okay, Nancy? All right. Yeah, no, go, Nancy. All right. So why horses? You know, we're horse people. We know how they've helped all the uh, many, many generations, and they've been part of our society from day one. We wouldn't even have society without horses. But most importantly is that horses are prey animals where people ask us all the time, why don't you do this with dogs or cats? Well, they're predators. And if people don't know the difference, it is that a prey animal is in continually scanning its environment every minute to say, are you going to eat me? Are you going to hurt me? What are you going to do? Do I need to bolt and take off? Where a dog or a cat, you can really kind of manhandle them and get them to be with you and you're the leader and they follow you. And so with a prey animal, it's much more difficult to do that, to be at one and in harmony with them and to get them to want to follow you and be in relationship with you. And I think it's really cool that most horse people know that a horse can read, you know, match your heartbeat four feet away. They can feel your anxiety. They can feel whatever is going on in your head that day and say, I'm going to get near you or I'm not. And so that's why we love working with horses, not only because we're horse lovers, but because they really do help many populations and they've always been part of our society and we want them to be in the in society again and then there's something of the sheer magnitude of them how incredible how incredibly beautiful they are they weigh 1200 pounds and they have uh you know this in, immense size and then in one minute they can be you know kicking or running or bolting or what have you so we really um think that horses can teach us a lot and that's what we find in our workshops every time we do one it's just a beautiful process now, this is really different than I know that there's a mini horse program where they bring some mini horses in and people pet them and everything. There's a very specific process around this workshop. Can you take me through that? Sure. Um, and we love the minis too, but there is, as Nancy was saying, this idea, the physicality of being with a horse that you're negotiating with and communicating with that um, that learning occurs. And so at the very basic core, the horses are a teacher. And I think the hardest thing for some of the barns that we work with, particularly the therapeutic barns, that um, those of us, those facilitators that work in the program, if we just move out of the way and let the horse be our teacher for our participants and allow them to connect, that's that's where the, the magic and the the healing happens. 
So um, we start the workshops pro in, in a little bit of an unusual way. If you look at the, many of the programs out there, there isn't um, programs where the person who has the dementia diagnosis or has memory changes and their care partner are together. And that's very intentional for us because when the the person who has the dementia diagnosis or memory change and the care partner come together, we don't identify them as this or that. And the horse doesn't identify them as this or that. We are all there together to be in um, connection and in dialogue with with the horses and where we're at. So people come to the barn. We um, and and most of our participants have memories and stories about horses, but not lots of horse experience. And so we're not teaching horsemanship. We're teaching about how do you get in the moment. How do you get centered in this usually beautiful new place and take a deep breath, get out of your head and into your senses? And so we open up the group with that kind of exercise. And then through a series of three to four weeks, once a week, three to four weeks, we progressively uh, connect with horses in different and more open ways. And so We'll, we'll start after our circle of getting grounded and, and doing a, a quick sensory meditation, a sensory walk. We meet the horses over the fence. And, and that's really just an opportunity for the horses to observe us, our participants, and for the participants to observe the horse. And sometimes it's just uh, focusing in on an eye. Sometimes it's focusing in on how two horses are interacting together and what that might mean. And we just let it unfold in a way that allows our participants to get what they need. Um, then we, the following week, we'll, we do grooming and leading. Uh, and we usually close our third or fourth week with, um, I think one of the most special um, opportunities is where we do an at liberty exercise where an individual participant in a horse enter into a round pen or a small arena and um, with both of them free, right? No halter, no lead rope. And they're just together. They're just being with each other in gratitude for, for the workshops. And um, it's, it's beautiful. And there's surprises that happen um, every time. And some, the, the sort of three things that we, that we see unfold on kind of a regular basis. One, we call this giving and receiving of care where it's an opportunity for, regardless of what your roles are at home or in your community, you can be a giver and receiver of care here. And that's really powerful for a caregiver who's stuck in this role of, I'm the one who's always giving. There's this opportunity of how do I be both? How can I live in this world with not having one role, but that I have this sort of um, complex relationship with, um, the person who now has this this diagnosis. The other one that horses teach us almost every time is this idea how two seemingly opposite things can both be true. And Nancy talked a little bit about that, that you have this big, strong horse that, you know, could hurt you, even if they step, accidentally stepped on your foot, that it could hurt. And they are so kind and graceful. And that comes up in conversations all the time, like how how magical it is that two seemingly 
um, opposite things can both be true. And that's um, really reflective for um, our participants when they go back home. Like it isn't, it isn't all or nothing, right? It isn't, my life isn't all terrible or all good. It's the, it's this, this combination of the complexities of life. And then the last trend that sort of happens in our workshops is um, what we are all practicing. How do you let go, be in the moment, let things unfold in the way that we need them to unfold and be responsible for that energy that we bring to the to the situation? And horses teach us that all the time. Um, one of my kind of favorite stories is that when everyone's sort of tense or trying to get a task done, almost always a horse will take this big belly breath and a big breath out. And we, you know, always just sort of laugh, like who's forgetting to breathe now? And so it's those little <laughs> moments that happen and they're profound. They're simple and profound at the same time. So that's a little snippet into, into our workshops. It sounds really easy, but it's not um, to train facilitators to do this and to be in the moment. And we also have a curricula based on, obviously, all of our experience and understanding of working with this population and families. And so we kind of pull all that together so our facilitators and volunteers are really prepared to enjoy the day and um, kind of get into the flow of the day. So we have many different exercises that we do and uh, depending on how that group is doing. So it takes a skilled facilitator to kind of read the group and what they're coming in with all this tension and, and resentment as a care partner, or just let's just have a fun day together and be a couple again, or be sisters or partners or friends or whatever it is. So that's why, um, it, it is a bit of a process and we've put a lot of time into the research and the background and the flow and the training to really make it a meaningful uh, activity or program and, and really have a meaningful life-changing experience for the people that come to the workshops. Nancy, you'll appreciate this. Um, one of my favorite stories. And for some reason, one of the favorite exercises is cleaning a horse's foot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and we, and as facilitators, we don't go through, here's the tricks to get a horse to lift their hoof. Um, we just walk through the, the process in very sort of general ways. And care partners will often come with sort of this task orientation of like, okay, give me the hoof pick. Okay, where do I stand? Okay, I'm gonna get it done. And um, you know, the horse is like, I don't, that's not the way I work. You know, you need to negotiate with me. You need to be in relationship with me. I need to feel a sense of trust with you before I get on three legs with you. And, um, our participants who can just sort of be in the moment and want to just be with the horse and help the horse, they'll walk up, that horse will lift their hoof and they'll work away at getting out any rock that's, or dirt that's in that horse's hoof. And it just feels um, good to have that sort of nonverbal communication with the horse and the trust that happens um, with the exercise that has a sort of physical element to it. And um, so those are really uh, fun moments for us to watch is how are, how are they negotiating and communicating with a horse um, that you have to be with, not do something to. And they transfer that to whatever happens at home and they're not so focused on the task anymore. 
but the moment of being together. I love that. So um, obviously there's a ton of positive benefits that are coming out of this that you're measuring. So um, talk to us about the partnership with Stanford and UC Davis and um, some of the outcomes, um, even though they might be early on, um, that you're seeing from the Connected Horse Method. Well, Stanford did, did our research design for us because they're the experts in that. And we had partnered with the medical school and actually the athletic department. And that's where the stable, they have an act an actual um, riding stable there with the Olympian team. So it's amazing horses that are there. Uh, but then we also partnered with UC Davis and the Alzheimer's Disease Center and this veterinary school because UC Davis is the number one veterinary school in the country. And we wanted to look at the benefit to horses as well. So we took the tool in two different locations and uh, looked at basically in our research, 66 dyads. We had more than that, but some of them fall out sometimes with missing a piece of paper or what have you. Um, so we were able to set up this research and do pre and post measures at for everyone that came out in a 15 hour intervention that was designed to you know measure the the well-being basically anxiety depression feelings of social support and sleep which at that time seven and a half years ago was just coming into research about how important sleep is for uh, well-being and stress and um and even related to uh, cognition and neurocognitive disorder and so we were able to measure that. It was kind of weird because we would have people all just have this amazing day and they'd be like, we pull out the tests and they have to measure them every time. Yes. We're like, wait, that's not working because we want them to walk away with that. But uh, we saw amazing results. We've presented at the International Alzheimer's Association, the Alzheimer's Association, Gerontological Society, all kinds of places with amazing data that we had basically three out of five measures with a p-value of 0 0.001, which is the best you can get, even in a small sample. And then we did a six-month study later on, brought people back, because in research they said, well, that's great, they had a good day, but did it actually last? So we brought all these people back to UC Davis, and very proud to say I got 100% participation of those who came back and couldn't wait to spend more time with the horses and measure again and see how they're doing. And of course there was some change in condition or cognition or you know something has gone on that there is a slight change in that population in six months. And so, uh, but we you know, still had incredible results in people coming back and, and having um, similar you know, measurement. But what we really didn't measure very well was the qualitative indicators, which aren't you know, as strong sometimes in in research, but boy, did we see that in all of our volunteers and everyone else saw that change in postures, change in fluency of language, which we wished we had measured. Most importantly, change in relationship where people come in very stressed out or tense or resentful, and then just realize how much in love they are with their husband or wife or partner or friend or whoever it is and, and really, um, build on that relationship and the skills. And the one thing that Paula and I didn't realize at the beginning was that, you know, a lot of research is done in two different populations. They separate them. Here's the care partner research. Here's the person living with this disease, but we wanted them to be together. And so 
Paul is like, I'm going to help. I want to help the caregivers. And I said, I want to help the people living with dementia. Okay, let's just put them together. And that was kind of a first trend to really pull that, what is measurement of the quality of life of these individuals on this journey together. And so we are really blown away. It was a long process. As Paula said, we're not researchers. We have much people much smarter than us doing that from the universities, but um, really wanted to get this program out to help now, not just study it to death, but get it out there to help people who are getting diagnosed every 64 seconds in our country and don't have a lot of resources besides, you know, get your, this is typically what physicians may say, not always, but you know, get your affairs in order, you know, maybe you want to exercise because we know that helps with cognition and change your diet or, or, you know, here's some Prozac or whatever it is. So we didn't want that. We really wanted to activate that pair from the very beginning of diagnosis. Regarding the research, the outcomes, the experience, how does the virtual experience um, play into it? Is it, is it an enhancement can you get some of the same benefit? How does that work? The virtual experience, we haven't measured. We're just starting to sort of measure outside of researchers, so more of a program evaluation. Of course, the, the learning and the benefits of in-person is always better because um, the as the horses are our teachers. But when we created the virtual barn, we spent a lot of time with the developers to capture the natural responses of horses so that when someone is in the virtual barn grooming or haltering or turning star or virtual horse out into the pasture, that the, the interactions that they're having are as horse-like as possible, but you don't get the same um you don't get the same interaction as you would with a with a with a real horse and you don't get the physicality of the real horse um but but the the beautiful thing that's come out of this is for particularly for our participants that have been part of the program at a barn that the emotional memory is continues to be there and so when we bring our sensory kit that has bits of hay or um, stories and photographs of horses, or we enter into the virtual barn and their um, brushing star, that those emotional memories that they had of being at the barn actually come back and they start talking about it. And they may not remember the horse's name, they may not remember the actual date, but they remember the feeling and they remember the experience that they had and it allows for the care partner and the person who's living with dementia to engage in dialogue again. And so we can just step back and allow that engagement to happen, allow that sort of natural joy of, of a shared experience to be relived. Um, and then for those participants that have not been part of our our workshops at a barn, but are just using the virtual barn and the sensory engagement kit as a as a first time entry. It's a it's a teaching tool to allow people to again not get so tied up into the outcome of being right or wrong or getting to the end of the task, but to be in the moment, to be in the process, 
and to learn how to engage in a sensory way. So we have tactile experiences, we have sensory experiences, we have music, and it allows people to just be successful in, in engagement outside of a task of a regular day. So we're, we're seeing um, really wonderful feedback from them around increased complex engagement, increased language, uh, increased satisfaction with their inner relationships, either at home or in senior living programs or adult day centers, um, reduced agitation, and um, just this opportunity to have self-agency, right? They're getting to make choices about what they're participating in, how they're interacting with the horse, they're choosing what sensory um, exercise to be part of. So it's designed to be really driven by the inner individual. So that that person-centered approach. And so we're we're um really happy to have additional tools for those people who can't get out to the barn. Can they smell horses in the kit? Um that's a, <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I'm like, what if we put some manure in there? Uh, I got uh, I, I got um, mixed uh, on that one. Uh, so we have hay. Okay. <laughs> we have hay. We have leather. Uh, we have um, photographs of horses. Being able to smell a horse would be great. We did in the early days cut off um, our horse's tails. So yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not sustainable. No, I thought but, about that. I thought uh, tail. You know, Nancy, what, one of the most curious questions that we ask, we even ask this in our training of our facilitators about what do you think about when you think about a horse? And um, everybody has a horse story. And um, oftentimes people will close their eyes and take a deep breath. It's like they're going back, like almost they can feel it, they can smell it as they share their story. And um so those we tell people those those senses, whether they're touch or feel or visual, they're inside your body. You know, you can always get back to those those feelings. So we we open every session with um, what do you think about when you think about a horse? And the, yeah. the care partner realizes that emotional memory is always alive in every person with no matter, you know, MCI or Alzheimer's or whatever diagnosis they have that's always alive. And so we're really connecting with the emotional memory of both the person living with dementia, as well as the care partner in a shared experience, which is just going to live on and on. It's never going to go away. And that is a beautiful thing. I think the virtual piece is, is really great because, you know, there's only so many, like you said, it's a four week program and, and you could probably get years of benefit reliving those memories from the four week program. Yes. Yes. At the so, end of the four-week uh, at-barn program, we we give our participants either a book or a photo collage. And when we visit them with a virtual program, they bring out that photograph and they're like, this was the best experience. And um, because it's new, because they're doing something together and, and the horses, whether in a virtual place or at the barn, are helping people reconnect in ways that are different. We're such a verbal society and we are so driven by outcomes that um, taking a pause and being in the moment 
and allowing and, and recognizing the beauty of just being engaged, whether it's in conversation, whether it's in smelling hay together, whether it's um, turning star out in a virtual world in into the pasture, that all of those um, interactions on a cellular level bring well-being. And so the, that's our contribution to to all of us. I mean, our the Nancy and I and all of the facilitators that work with us, we benefit from this too. Like it's important for us to remember our um, self-care and our um, opportunity to to be in the moment, to let go of a task, to let go of an outcome and just let things unfold in a way that nature and horses and ourselves connecting with that larger environment can do if if we're aware enough and we allow ourselves to to be in that moment to allow that to happen we see the physical changes right there people's shoulders go down people start breathing again we see smiles on faces as nancy said we see people so you know put their canes aside and start walking because there's this there's this recognition of self-agency of of activation and of of desire to to continue to live and and to find joy how can senior living briefly how can senior living communities get involved with you and um are there grants available i know that you said that you um you like to get grants and then not charge the actual participants tell us a little bit about that we haven't charged uh at all we raise money or grants to, so that it's a free experience um for people to come out they never can really believe that we don't charge them but we're raising money and we've worked a lot with senior living communities because that's where paula and i come from um we you know, get people living in independent living or assisted living or adult day programs they might be accessing or just from their own home and able to come in and access uh, these workshops at the barn. And and um, we, we've been able to do that, but we our dream, honestly, Nancy, is to have this in every barn, in every therapeutic riding center or just your local stable that people, once they get diagnosed uh, with this, um, neurocognitive disorder, whatever it is, and and memory loss, that they actually get activated, and maybe someday their doctor will write on the prescription pad, you know, go spend time with the horse, and really help give them more quality of life in the years that they have. And um, so, senior living is one avenue that we have we've worked with, and our colleagues in this industry have been more than generous in supporting us and and any fundraiser that we have. Um, and then getting out with grants to understand what we're doing to serve the older adult population in your local community. It's not, um, you know, a big national stage. It's about locally. So we really pride ourselves that we have the research behind this and the evidence that it's not just come out and pet a pony day, but it really is um, a, a program that builds skills for that pair, whomever they may be. Uh, and even intergenerational, we've had grandchildren sometimes come out with their their grandma and grandpa and sister or mother and father, what have you, and really give them skills to to take forth. So getting into the larger uh, stage of um, state 
grants and agent area agency on aging and so forth is what we really like to get to to make this a local program to help those who live in our community. Paula and Nancy, what gets you most excited these days? Well, we are, you know, when we started Connected Horse, we said, if it ever gets too hard, then we'll stop. <laughs> or it's we, not fun. <laughs> and it's not fun. So we're, we're still at it. And so I, I, for me, what gets me excited is this um, mindset of, of rethinking how we are living in community and how we are combating um, isolation and stigma around aging, around disease, around relationships. So I'm really driven by watching um, all of us, including our participants, engage in, in relationship and, and need each other and trust each other and support each other. And that keeps me going on, on even the hardest days. And I'm most excited about um, kind of getting away from the stigma, Nancy, of of this disease. It's one of the last ageisms that's, you know, ageism is one of those isms that's very prevalent in our society. And a lot of caregiving duties fall on women. And so I'm really excited that we are giving activation and positivity and uh, getting people um, back into living instead of taking a diagnosis and just you know, taking it. And I, I really think about with the way in our medical society, you know, medical field that we're diagnosing earlier and earlier, so that uh, people have higher quality of life, but they still may be facing, you know, eight to 10 years of this disease. So how do we give them those tools in the beginning to get back and get back into living and take put joy in the years that they they have together left and not be looking towards the end all the time. And so that they're focusing on activation now. And we see that with the people that come through our program, they go on trips and they start going out again and they go back to the gym and they eat better and they sleep better and they do everything that you need that's natural to help slow the progression of this disease. And that really parallels with what's happening in the field of Alzheimer's and dementia research right now. And so that makes me excited to know that we are giving someone hope, activation, and not just a pill, because we've waited for the pill forever. There's lots of medications that come out, but what it really takes is self-direction, that people really reframe the, this view of aging and that it's not dread, but looking towards the, you know, some new experience that they're going to have together that's going to really gel that relationship into um, in, into old age, if you will. I love that so much. And, and you know, I love the connected horse and everything that you're doing, Paula and Nancy. And of course, thank you to the horses for all that they do. Um, and I really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.